All right. So, um, we're going to talk about the Mothman prophecies today. And since it's been a while since we've recorded, I believe this was because you really wanted to, to watch this and record on this. Sure. Sure. Uh, what? <laughs> I feel like you chose this, Mike. And I just said, okay. Uh, and bought it and watched it. Oh, you I bought feel. it. Well, like I bought the digital version of it. Yes. That's, that's still yeah. stimulating the economy. That's I'm right. For this. That's right. 2002 film and i don't have the rotten tomatoes up in front of me because i don't care but <laughs> care what you idiot critics think <laughs> i know <laughs> we were just making sure there was adequate closet space good this house is yours if you want it we'll take it <laughs> what she knew she was drawing angels what are you doing here somehow between 1 and 2 30 i traveled 400 miles i've got no memory past few months people have been coming up to me and reporting strange things weird lights strange phone calls who is this what do you do when someone comes into your office and tells you they saw this in their backyard? My wife saw some drew pictures. They were just like this. Who showed you this? You know what that is? One day I started hearing voices. The voices became messages. It was right here. All I could see were these two red eyes. I met him. You met him? He said, do not be afraid. All 99 are believed dead. You're reading my mind, aren't you? What's my hand? This isn't just a message, it's a prediction. Something terrible's gonna happen. Earthquakes are going to happen. People you know and love are going to die. And no matter what that voice tells you. Fifty-two percent as of this recording, uh, you know, the week before Labor Day weekend in 2021. I don't know if that's going to move too much or down for this 2002 film. I, I never know, like those uh, clickbait articles, like you'll never believe what's number one on Netflix, and it's always some random ass movie that Netflix really had nothing to do with, but right. people are discovering for the first time. So, um, Mothman currently is on Stars, though, which I think is where it belongs. Yeah, it feels like a... And that, I mean, if people, this is their first time listening to the show, they should know that is not an insult. No. That's actually a very nope. high compliment coming from high Mike. High praise. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. I also find it interesting, like, in the Deniston podcast universe, mm-hmm. there is a uh, Richard Gere, Laura Linney thing happening, right? Didn't you just do an episode on Primal Fear? Weren't they both in that? Mm. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. true. Um, that's a little... I, Ryan Gosling, uh, Emma Stone type. Yeah, thing. yeah, exactly the same thing. I only thought of it. I 
I didn't like as I was watching this, but I had watched this a couple weeks ago, and then I was listening to your episode on Primal Fear, and I was like, oh yeah, they're both in that too. I I, I don't think I ever realized that these two actors were in more than one movie together. Like it never occurred to me, but they're they're good together. They work well together. They work well under a threat of death, I, I guess. You know, Primal Fear with. <laughs> Your standard uh, relationship stuff, sure. you know. <laughs> Punk kid, um, competing uh, attorneys, and here, I, I guess it's a little bit, you know, you just have been tweeting out that I guess you've done another run through Lost. And yes. so I suppose Laura Linney here is supposed to be playing the uh, much nicer uh, small town version of Jack Shepard. Supposed to be like mm. the uh, uh, the voice of reason. Like, yeah, a lot of crazy yeah. stuff's going on in this town, but come on. Like, let's yeah. not... She's a little less obnoxious than Jack Shepard, but I, that's yeah. where you're getting um, that from. Just yeah. like, how about we not go through the looking glass on this one? What if <laughs> Quite we just, yet. Let's just peel back a little bit. Don't pick up the phone and talk to weird bug creatures that speak in uh, electronica voices, apparently. Yeah, no, uh, thank you. I thought you were going to go a different direction with the sort of Deniston verse and podcast, because this has long been a story I've told where I made my date uh way back in, I guess, winter, yeah, January 2002, uh, walk out of <laughs> Gosford Park, Mr. Altman's film, the Oscar contender for that uh, that season. Nonsense. And, uh, I bitched and complained enough during the first 15, 20 minutes of that, like, oh, too many characters. What are they talking about? Oh, they're so rich. Oh, God, who cares? You know, what I really care about is this Mothman thing. <laughs> I had no prior knowledge of it. I'm not really into, like... Bigfoot, the Loch Ness monster, any of those type of, you know, I guess uh, the lighter conspiracy theories back. Not in even, the old days. not even the Jersey Devil. Uh, you being a X Files fan nope, from back in really. the day, nothing, huh? If it doesn't have uh, Mulder and Scully in it, I don't really care what sort of uh, phenomenon's going on uh, out there. But you put, as you said, sexiness on the screen. Richard mm-hmm. Gere. Suddenly, I care. I care, I care quite a bit. So this is one that I've, this is like one of my favorite theater going experiences because I felt victorious to this poor girl I was going out with. Like, ha ha, I told you. Right. <laughs> I took such ownership of the Mothman prophecies and I'm pretty sure I bought it on DVD and watched it a few times around its release, but it's been a bit. I came in fully expecting you to despise this, to hate Wait, okay, this. why, why? Before I give my... Very, very important opinion on the Mothman prophecies. Why Why were you afraid that I was going to just react violently to this movie? Okay, so this is, it's not a spoiler in, in as far as plot. This is a spoiler maybe in tone. So if mm-hmm. people saw a trailer or if they just clicked on IMDb or if it's a square like on the Star Service um, and you know it has that annoying Netflix autoplay sort of trailer thing they do, I think it could be very misleading because there's way more melodrama than what I remembered in this, Mm. as far as Richard Gere's character really becomes embroiled in this, this pursuit of the Mothman basically as a means to deal with the loss of his wife, to make that random car accident have more meaning Mm -hmm. and to give it more meaning. He will buy into a bug man creature with red eyes that is terrorizing this West Virginia town, which he has no ties to. And I do love, and I, I thought you would like this as a coastal elite, that Richard Keir justifies his presence in this small town, West Virginia, by saying, 
there's no way I drove here on purpose. Some outside <laughs> force planted <laughs> hey, hey, me here. I was not going this direction West at Virginia? all. Virginia? Come on. <laughs> there's nothing here. There's no one around. Why would I go here? Yeah, that mm-hmm. is accurate. That that sounds about right. Um, so as I was watching it, like as I often do when I'm watching movies for this podcast, I'm like, oh, okay, I get why Mike likes this. Because uh, it's yet another, yet another movie that we have randomly watched that is about a man who just can't leave well enough alone. Who and has characters gets say that to him. Like, yes. why? Will why you please stop? This? Just go mm-hmm. away. We don't want any part of this. And what's so the this driving is... force? The loss of a redhead. It's yeah, like, I need yeah. to know why. This is, did you write this? Like, this is this is really right up your alley. I like, was telling my wife that a previous, not the, the poor girl that I made leave Gosford Park, which I'm pretty sure anyone that's listening to a movie podcast probably has far greater... Um, respect for than the Mothman prophecies, but yet another uh, poor ex girlfriend of mine. Uh, <laughs> she really thought I had a thing for Deborah Messing, and it's like she, uh, <laughs> she was really uh, missing the forest for the trees. And it was like <laughs> red hair. No, yes, it's just it's no. just red hair. I was I don't think I've ever seen a single episode of Will and Grace. You know the revival or not. Uh, and I just also happened to really like the Mothman prophecies. So it wasn't really, you know, I don't know what else. Not Deborah because Messing of her. This is... I don't know if I've seen, I think just like in COVID times, I started watching uh, what I call dump month, uh, movies. I was like everything that, you know, has been passed over, not even for a podcast day. That, that shows you how bad off, Oof. you know, the pandemic year was, uh, I watched something, I think it was the wedding date. It was like one of those sort of like, mm. she got the rom-com push briefly. And I guess it didn't take. I think the Mothman and that are the only two things I've seen mess messing in. Um, but yes, if I, if I'm going to, you know, I want to believe if my little X files, like, you know, credit uh, for me, that would be, uh, that would be the introduction to Mike chasing down UFOs or Bigfoot is the loss of redhead. <laughs> the loss I of a redhead. Yeah. Yes. That's fair. Yeah. I think the only thing I'm actually looking at her, um, filmography right now, I think the only, cause I never saw along came Polly. Um, but I did see Searching oh, yeah. that came She's out a the, couple years ago. I'm not cer- Yeah, so Searching, yeah. Okay, yeah. I've seen that, and I've seen Along Came Polly. But, yeah, see? Uh, You're just God. a Deborah Messing super fan. Look at okay, you. Okay, so <laughs> my ex had a point, maybe. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> there it is. I don't know how it makes me feel that I remember Hank Azaria just being jacked in that way more than I do Deborah Messing. I don't know what that says. I mean, that's a strange thing for Hank Azaria to appear as. So that would be memorable. It was very off-putting at the time. <laughs> what is what is he doing here? Uh, I do have another off-putting thing. I was looking at Rotten Tomatoes. Mm, like, which good. critic will get the push from Mike? Which top critic? I haven't clicked on top critics. There's only 36 for this. But the very first thing you get when you just load the Rotten Tomatoes page is fucking Chris Stuckman from Ooh. ChrisStuckman.com, mm. who gave this a B plus. <laughs> Keep that grade in mind. Uh, but his... Little tomato non splat was one of the creepiest movies ever made. Whoa, B+. whoa, Let's, B plus, B plus. See, this is this is why. Like, these are the moments where I'm like, oh, these critics. Like, that's clearly like I want to get on the poster. Like, uh-huh. I, I I want to be quoted but in the he trailer. Came, he's B+. a YouTube guy, so he came way late. So what what attention are you seeking for this? Yeah, what a strange choice. Film? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't find him authentic like I do myself here. This has been. This is yeah. my my. You were there at the beginning, yeah, sir. Yeah, I was there opening weekend. <laughs> but this movie is look. I just okay. I like this movie. 
I don't. I don't think oh, I have okay. the the connection to it that you do. Uh, I'm not the, the personal I'm, stake. Yeah, I don't I, have I, that. this. Better be fucking good. Yeah, <laughs> it's better be better than Gosford Park. <laughs> <laughs> but this is an old school thriller movie star movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like if you if you have an unknown in the Richard Gear part, nobody cares. Like you gotta have you gotta have a movie star. And at this period, like I don't know if Richard Gear would have this kind of cachet now but he certainly did then like he had he had enough star power behind him that you're like okay i'll go on this ride because richard gear is there let's go along with it and i think he was having most... a bit of a revival in this period because i think uh mm-hmm. you know 99 he reteams with julia, julia roberts for runaway bride which i don't think was oh, right. like, well received but it was a huge financial hit a huge hit yeah. and on this podcast i mean God bless him. The year of 2002, we have this in January, and then in May, we have Unfaithful. So it, it was good. it was a just, good time to be a gear should, man. Should just be like, bring it in the Oscars <laughs> for that year. Come on, let's go. Yeah, it, it's funny. I think you saw this. I had a weird interaction with Twitter where one of my followers was like kind of talking about how, how pompous Richard Gere must be. Uh, and I, I just like, one, shut up. Uh, and two, like I look at, like, do you, have you looked at him? Like, Put yourself in that man's shoes. You would be the most pompous, unforgiving man in the world. Like just Even for like look movie at me. stars, he is yeah. strikingly handsome. Yes, like, um, absolutely. Even with those little beady eyes, he, he you know, that's <laughs> <laughs> look. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. I'm just. I always think of that because it's not. He does have uh, little beady eyes. Yeah, he doesn't. True. He doesn't have what is considered like you know someone like Brad Pitt. It's like well, there's nothing surprising about right, how right. beautiful and handsome he is. But Gear has, you know, he doesn't have the typical look as far as yeah. what I guess like an incredibly handsome man would be. And he's been, I guess, a silver fox for ever <laughs> forty years since his <laughs> yeah, <point>. just born <laughs> gray, eighteen year old, just silver fox. God bless him. I will say that his <laughs> beady eyes, other than being, uh, you know, I guess his like having like a crooked nose or something, like it's not the biggest thing to overcome when you're no, handsome. No. But it does hold him back as an actor, though, right? He doesn't have the most uh, emotive. It's not expressive. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, he's probably not had to push himself too much uh, in films or it's not been asked of him. Now, I'm not, you know, I, I love Richard Gere, but I have to admit, it's not like I have gone through his filmography and been like every Richard Gere movie possible. Like, usually when I see him, I'm like, great, the screen yeah. is going to be. You didn't go back to like Officer of and a Gentleman. You didn't. I've like... never seen that. I think eh, I should. Good. Yeah, you know, should. It's a classic. Yeah. Um, but I would say here, his <laughs> great physical appeal is better for the character because he needs to look like someone that would never be involved with these <laughs> this hicks red that bleed and monsters. <laughs> he needs to really look like the fucking outsider that would never get down in the mucky muck. And you have to be somewhat surprised that Richard Gere is chasing UFOs or Buckmen around. And yeah, yeah, like, so when you mentioned an officer and gentleman or, you know, pretty woman, there's nothing surprising about someone that looks like that. Like, oh, he's going to be the one uh, right. climbing up uh, to, to get, you know, his princess with Julia Roberts or carrying out, you know, his lover in the climactic scene. I think I have the right movie, even though I've not yep, seen it. That's okay. correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking spectacular as he does it here, he has to look. I wouldn't say he ever looks unhinged. Like there are movies like this, like this director, Mark Pellington had a little bit of heat at the time because he had done Arlington road from 1999, which was kind of like a surprise hit, which very much does have a twist ending. So if you've not seen Arlington God, road, the ending um, sucks. You're not a fan of it, huh? 
Wait, am I? I think I'm thinking of the wrong movie. Um, is Arlington Road the the Tim Robbins? It is Tim movie? Robbins. Okay, I was I was thinking of something else. I actually haven't seen that. I actually, haven't seen Arlington Road. I was for some I, reason thinking of the the like Andrew Garfield uh, real estate movie that can't did not come out in '99. Came out relatively oh, recently. Oh, Michael Shannon. Yeah. yeah. What was that called? What was Ninety uh, Nine Homes? Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, I don't remember months. the endings that, to be honest. Mm, you're better off. It's fine. It's stupid. And I've seen that movie. Okay. Um, <laughs> you should check out Arlington Road, because I did okay. a, a podcast on that, uh, obviously for 99 from 99, right. and where that film, uh, you know, Pellington had a thing, is also about conspiracy theories. Mm, and okay. Gotcha. I don't envy you trying to watch Arlington Road, which is set in our world, not in the you know, the supernatural realm or whatever, dealing with alien beings and like evil gods looking down upon us. I wonder how that plays. And I've, I've said that before mm. about the X-Files. How's the X-Files play? Like, cause we used to see like conspiracy minded folks as like the progressives or the liberals, like, you know, the staunch right. conservatives trying to keep us down. And now it's the other way around, eh, man. <laughs> I don't really entertain the conspiracy nuts as much anymore. So I would say Mothman does not age poorly in that regard because we are far from you know uh the insurrectionists at the capitol with something like this but okay so i don't think it ages poorly even now because like i don't think the conspiracy in this movie matters one bit like i it doesn't it could be anything like i it's weird that a movie that is called the mothman prophecies i'm like is this really about the mothman like it doesn't like you could you could put any name there any situation anything and the movie doesn't really change Right. It's just like this terrible thing happened and someone or something was predicting it. Like, that's it. Mm. Uh, and everything else is really all about Richard Gere and Laura Linney and their their interactions in this small town and kind of what comes next. I feel like the only this is mean, but the only the only thing that doesn't work for me with Richard Gere is when he like actually has to emote. Like there's a scene late in the movie where he like breaks down crying on the phone and I'm like, I don't buy any of this. Like, I don't. This has no I knew, emotional effect. I knew the melodrama would not hit for you. Yeah. To me, I, let me tell you why it works. Her, So her reaction works for me. It's just like his performance of it. It just doesn't work for me. But go ahead. It works for me because this has to be the very first time that Richard Gere, both this character as a successful journalist that's in politics and just Richard Gere himself, is having to understand what failure means <laughs> like what, so, what is this so even emotion? though it comes off like awkward and ridiculous it actually makes sense because he's yeah. never cried he's, that... never, he's never had a bad thing happen to him before he's Nothing never had a bad day taken from him you might be right you know what you're right i like this movie now that's actually a really not, great way to not look the at intent it. of the scene but when i'm watching no. gear i'm like man yeah you've just never like it's like how can basically in uh, he, he has a line which is like that the uh, the universe just finally like puts a spotlight on you and finds mm-hmm. you and decides like it's kind of like in, I guess in our world it's like that that bit about uh, you're gonna be like the the villain of the day for Twitter it's just out right. of nowhere right. the entire world points its Boom. finger at you and uh-huh. says let's ruin your life <laughs> I find that greatly appealing to see someone <laughs> like Richard Gere trying to navigate those waters and someone like Laura Lenny who although very successful you know. At this period, I would still say she's probably more character actress at this time. Maybe she's leaving yeah. that uh, because she, I think she got nominated for You Can Count On Me two years prior. That sounds right. Yeah. But certainly mm-hmm. when you mentioned Primal Fear, character actress. Right. And I think she, <laughs> it's, it's sort of meta in that way. It's just like, yeah, 
life can be like that <laughs> sometimes. Yes. Like in that phone call, not everything works out for. Yeah, sometimes uh, for sad instance, things me, happen. Dick, uh, I, like this I happens. played those characters. Did you see the end of Primal Fear? Like, <laughs> I had to deal with the fact that I lost, and yet everyone in the audience is like, mm-hmm, "Richard Gere was always going to win. Always going to win the case." Uh, I don't think that's a total spoiler for Primal Fear. I'm not getting into real spoiler territory for that particular film. Um, yeah. But yeah, this one, uh, I didn't make my wife watch it because I didn't think she would find it appealing. You and I, uh, spoiler alert for like the you know behind the scenes of the making of this show, uh, we actually went out to, to dinner, had a double date, and I brought to you <laughs> the <laughs> what I discovered that there is the Mothman Festival in this West Virginia town uh, around my birthday every year. Not this year because thankfully they are observing you know the Delta variant and COVID. And she had, and she unlike bi- unlike big events in Lexington, Kentucky, which are still happening. Uh, I think they're also. This... I think it's like the fight for water bottles in uh, yes. the Railbird Festival. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, Dave and I and my wife, obviously, we did not. We instead took in Candyman and you know kept it you know a small gathering. Uh, but she doubled down on like reminding me how little interest she had in the Mothman <laughs> Festival conversation and probably the film itself because I don't. I don't think she's as keen on Richard Gere as me. And she's also, I thought you were going to bring up uh, my particular itch that I love uh, having scratched when it comes to movies is the guy that just can't let something go. That obsessive nature, which I think if extremely well done, someone like my wife would be for it. But right. if not, and I don't think the Mothman probably fits the bill of say like a Zodiac. Um, <laughs> not quite to that level. It's, yeah. <laughs> I could see, you know, she's kind of expressed it. And also like just your average viewer, finding the character kind of annoying like hmm. you're not you're just being you know being your head against the wall you're not really getting any closer and you're having multiple characters one who is like sort of an exposition mis- machine but in a weird way he finds an expert on the mothman and the expert's <laughs> answers are basically like i don't know who knows like i don't <laughs> yes. think we're ever gonna know and so if you have the expert saying like walk away dude <laughs> you know, he has a line like, did you ever, uh, you know, Gears like, well, why doesn't the Mothman just speak to us? What's it trying to say? And it's like, I don't know, man. Do I, I'm not the Mothman. I don't know, man. And he's <laughs> like, have you ever explained yourself to a cockroach? Like, why would you like, what the <laughs> fuck would you even do that for? So I think I kind of credit Mark Pellington here. Uh, I don't think like this, this was not like really a hit when it came out. It says on Wikipedia that it made $11 million, which, you know, now would be like number one or two at the box <laughs> office. Uh, that didn't even come in the top five, January 2002. Mm. Uh, I think he probably leaned a little bit more as far as like what the effect of these urban legends have on people as opposed to, because even the film is very withholding as far as what the Mothman looks like. You have oh, multiple yeah. people saying, I saw him, but you only ever see their faces and their reactions to this sort of vague right. lights right. and shadows that they see the younger demo that might want to see a scary movie about a monster. I could see them being really pissed off. Oh yeah. It's not scary at all. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting. You said it came out in January of Mm -hmm. 2002 because back then, and it's not so true now, back then that was truly the dumping ground, right? It was like right after Oscars, like, you know, if you wanted to get an Oscars, you got to be out by December 15th or whatever. So all the crap, Gets Those released in the in podcast January. industry call it Deborah Messing Month, apparently. Yeah. Like every- yes. <laughs> Obviously. So actually, speaking of Deborah Messing, I so the one Please. the one yes. <laughs> yes, I know you're into that. Um the one weak spot I think in this movie is strangely not enough Deborah Messing. Because I think the movie Preach Dave. In, in order to really work, <laughs> you have to really, really care about this initial relationship. Right. Because that's his loss. That's the thing that propels him forward. And 
I don't think the movie is actually that interested in the relationship. They're interested in getting to the crazy stuff, right? Um, mm. But I wish they had kind of built up that relationship a little more. Because, like, you meet her, and then car accident, and then she's dead, and then we're moving on. Um, so I wish there was actually more of that. And you bringing up this idea of, like, you know, gear, that character could get annoying because so many people are telling him, like, dude, just walk away, man. It's not that big a deal. Car accidents happen. This, right? you know, some people it's have sad, traumas but... in their life they can't get over. Yes. And I think the reason it never gets annoying for me is because of Richard Gere, because he's like so he's such a mellow actor in a lot of ways. Like, I think if you had a another actor who was like very aggressive in not giving up, whereas like Gere just keeps like it's like he's slamming his head into a brick wall. He's just like slowly rubbing against it, like continually, like I'm just going to. I'm just going to keep doing this, you know, in my cool Richard Gere way. Mm -hmm. And that ends up working for the movie because I think if he's really aggressive about it, I think you're like, man, will you just stop? Like, you need to walk away from this. But because it's done in a more almost gentle way, it feels like trying to unravel a mystery that you never can quite unravel. But it doesn't feel like, oh, my God, this is so terrible. Walk away. Maybe until the kind of end gigantic action sequence that we have. Um, but other than that, it's just like, okay, I'm going along for the ride with good-looking Richard Gere and his beady eyes. Well, put on your uh, therapist cap here for a minute. Oh, do, you, boy. <laughs> do you feel like what he's doing in any capacity is healthy? Because without the supernatural element, this is, in a way, because he's a journalist, throwing himself into his work. So if this was a uh, just a pure melodrama, it might be he just stays on the political beat and he's trying to figure out like what's going on with this governor and he's not really dealing with uh, what happened to his wife. This is a strange obsession in that this town seemingly has nothing to do with the events of his wife, but he's going to connect the dots and make them connect so that he's doing it to find out what happened to Deborah Messing. But in a way, it's just chasing some random news story that, as you said, is never going to have a satisfactory ending, not, not one that you could actually print and you know, <laughs> right. keep your credentials right. in any way. So do you find this like he's just taking his time out because it, it made me think of another movie that you really disliked that I kind of enjoyed uh, with Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, what was it? Was it Demolition or whatever? Oh, jeez, yeah. Does he, he loses his wife in that one as well? Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. And that one doesn't have the Mothman, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, that would be a good movie, see? But <laughs> this is what we need. unlike Richard Gere, Jake Gyllenhaal tends to go big. In his right. performances, sometimes very effectively, like in Nightcrawler, and apparently in that, it didn't work for the uncultured like you. I was really into the dance right. sequence in that film, and you, you know the it. great like, like Nocturnal Animals, right? Like one of your favorite movies. It's... He was fine in that. That was <laughs> atrocious. I mean, you got to look at Amy Adams in beautiful clothing, so you got that going for you too. I. I was so enraged during that. For the I listener, can... Mike has this look like, why are you bringing this up? Why, <laughs> why are you bringing up this paper? Mothman. I don't know what's going on here. Um, I guess Dave wants to okay. podcast me over. So, so your music. question, <laughs> your question, is this psychologically healthy? Absolutely not. No. Um, and, but it's actually not that, not that the Mothman is common, but this kind of reaction <laughs> is common. So grief is really complex. And really difficult. And he has had a traumatic loss that he in no way was prepared for. This is not a elongated sickness where someone eventually passed away and like, okay, now they're not in pain. So at least I can feel good about that. It was taken away very, very quickly. Um, and people want simple answers 
to grief? Like, how do I get over this? How do I, is there a pill I can take? Is there a therapy I can do where I'll just get over it? And there's not, you know, it Which takes the Mothman would both be simple and also extraordinarily not because you can say <laughs> it was the Mothman that did it. And it's like, okay, what does that mean? Well, well, yeah. And that allows him, that allows him to go deeper into it and not deal with anything that's happened. So it's, it's a simple solution with complex side effects, right? So it's like, yes, this is what happened. Mothman put the, the hex on, on my girl and we died. And, and now, but now it's like, what does the Mothman mean? And now I can really dive into this. So yeah, no, not, I would not call this a healthy reaction to loss and to dealing with it. Cause at the end, do you, I mean, I think the movie is trying to get across that he's dealt with it, that he's gotten past it. Cause now he's, you know, hanging out with Laura Linney. Um, there are worse things certainly, but it doesn't feel like as a man, he has dealt with this in any sense like he's he dove into this mothman thing but there's never a thing where he like comes to grips with the actual loss of his wife only in movie star world does he in that he gets to reclaim the hero role by performing Mm. some heroic act uh so i won't spoil it entirely in case you're interested in seeing the mothman but i think it gives the character some semblance of oh this is why all of these terrible events happened because I was supposed to be here for this day. Me, right. just me. Right. Even though they do explain, you know, they give you an actual number. <laughs> uh, a lot of other people experience tragedies that day, but at least the movie stars, the ones we care about, the nameless yeah. ones out there. And, who and I will say a much better use of numbers than the nines, uh, which we recently uh, yeah, talked about. I, so. I forgot about that. I, I was thinking... Um, I think I watched that, them both around the same time, so it was very clear in my mind which one was handling this well. The one I was going to was, I believe, also a 2002 release, much more successful, uh, financially at least, was uh, M. Night Shyamalan's Signs with Mel Gibson. Mm. Mm-hmm. Also loses wife in a car accident, and then has to make sense of it while dealing with an alien invasion. And yet, something from, you know the other dimension speaks to him and puts him back in the hero role. I greatly prefer Mothman to signs. Really? I'm not knocking signs. Interesting. Hmm. I'm just saying, look, Dave, I mean, I don't think it's a hot take to be like Richard Gere. No Gibson. Well, it's like Richard yeah. Gere. Boy, boy, is that like ruined a lot of movies that I really <laughs> liked. Like, you know, I don't think I've watched signs in probably like since, since the whole awful Mel Gibson stuff started, mm. like, I don't think I've watched it since then. And I remember really liking that movie a lot. Like, it's, yeah, it's got its ridiculous M. Night ending, uh, like most of his movies do, whatever. The rest of it's so good, like, I don't care. You got Joaquin Phoenix in a tinfoil hat. It's hard to that beat that. Cute. That's yeah, incredible. You know? Um, but I, I shudder to think what my reaction would be if I watched it now, because it is very much Mel Gibson as not only the hero, but um, having, having a redemption arc as well so it's a little like mm, i don't know if i want to be a part of this anymore this is very very uncomfortable to me um but one thing about this movie that i was noticing is that the editing in this movie is incredible if because hmm. if you look at like the first i would say 45 minutes to an hour of the movie not that much actually happens like there's not <laughs> there's a little bit of a mystery in him trying to track stuff down but like in terms of things moving the momentum forward there's not much there but because the the editing and the cuts are like so kinetic and so different it does a really good job of still keeping you interested like i think if this was like a much more static movie like i would have checked out from it 
because not that much goes down. Like, like past the Will Patton stuff near the very beginning, like not that much is going on. But because there's some interesting filmmaking going on, it's like, okay, I'll go along with this for at least another half hour or so. And then by then it it starts to really pick up and starts to really work. You should really check out uh, Arlington Road. I'm I'm interested okay. in your uh, because when I revisited that one for nine nine for nine nine, it kind of got my nerves a little bit. Um, mm. He was a very uh, Pellington's very successful uh, music video director. Um, worked mm. with uh, that fits. Uh, oh, most famously directed uh, Jeremy uh, the Pearl Jam video. Oh, but, uh, great, Nine great Nails, music video. Uh, NXS, Alice in Chains. So a lot of popular acts from the nineties. Uh, he does Arlington Road, follows up Mothman Prophecies, and then it's all the way to 2008 with Henry Poole is here. I believe that's one of the Wilson brothers. Mm. I remember seeing that like in a Hollywood video and thinking, well, <laughs> that's horrible box art. I Melt With You with Jeremy Piven and I think Ooh. Rob Blow. I don't like the combination there's, of that title with Jeremy Piven. I, there's don't, a, I don't like that. There's <laughs> a, a step down as far as the uh, you know the top of the line credits here. Something called Lone in 2014. Basically just never got back to it. He His most recent film, as far as what I can tell, uh, looks like Nostalgia with, I think, John Hamm, which I did not check mm. out. Um, yeah, so you may like that one. I found that uh i did find a review that kind of goes with that this is from the did Chicago. you did you like arlington road when you first saw it and then on yes. rewatch yes. you, you mm-hmm. had issues okay Interesting. yep as a uh our, this is what you know ages me um i was working at a video store at the time and i was trying to convince my friend I'm like yeah you should do you know anything about arlington road he's like no nah, i know who's in it but and he's I was like, check it out. He picks up the box, and I took the box out of his hands. And I was like, no, 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 don't. no. no. Uh, at the Just time, it had it. a really, it had a really awful trailer that gave away a lot of the the goods. Uh, um, but speaking of the style, I did finally find a review that we can put in the show notes. Uh, so this is for the, you know, the, the, our demo that prefers not to read, which. That's fine. You're listening to yeah. an episode on the Mothman Prophecy. You're welcome. You probably <laughs> is... don't need to go read more things like this on the internet. Not. Yeah, I don't think there's that. a lot of deep dives on yeah. the Mothman Prophecy, so you should be okay. Michael Wilmington of the Chicago Tribune called this. This is a review. It's dated July 20th, 2002. I, I would imagine that it was probably around the time of the release, unless he caught up with it on video. Uh, that says, a gaudy yet grim science fiction horror movie of such surpassing silliness, humorless <laughs> intensity, and stylistic overkill that watching it may actually uh, put you in a state of paranoia. Why are these movie makers persecuting us? <laughs> oh, wow. wow. If wow. You, but if you feel that way, don't you think, oh, that's why they're doing it? Yeah, that's the point. It, And also, if the greatest persecution you face is the Mothman prophecies, then I think you're doing okay. I think, that, I think simpler, it's a pretty good way. Well, I was about to say simpler times, but you know, 2002 was right, you know post 9-11 and with what's yeah. going on in Afghanistan uh, as we've seen how quickly people forget uh, yes. even a year ago when Trump made an, an alliance with the Taliban but <laughs> yeah whatever uh, none of that we're matters not, Mike we're not here uh, go check out Chris Stuckman to, who gave this a B plus and says the creepiest <laughs> movie of all time not B+. an A yeah <laughs> didn't quite make it to that A level all I I think the only other thing I want to add it's like I I wish that Laura Linney had like a better career because like every time she's one of those she's one of those actors every time she shows up like even if it's in a bad movie I know I'm going to get a good performance every single time and she just doesn't have a lot of leads in her filmography like she's always like at best she's like in this 
where she's kind of almost a co-lead. Like she's a, she's a supporting character you can't get rid of, but most likely, you know, she, like she shows up in stuff like Sully and Nocturnal Animals. This is why I brought that up because that mm. happened to be on my screen. Um, and she's always really good, but like, she just doesn't get many lead roles like throughout her career. I don't know why that is necessarily, but She's always real good, and I just I just wish there was a little bit more that we got from her as far as movie viewers. I already mentioned You Can Count on Me, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. It was my favorite movie of 2000. Great movie. Strangely, because of You Can Count on Me, uh, Mark Ruffalo was supposed to have the uh, Joaquin Phoenix role in Signs. But he had some, hmm. I think he had like a brain aneurysm or something that almost threatened oh, his life Oh, yeah, and that's right. Yeah, I remember And that was the film that. he had to uh, bow out of for that for that reason. But if you go to Laura Linney's known for an IMDb, apparently her bread and butter uh, is going to be like, I guess, brother-sister um, mm. dramedies. You can count on me's on there. The Savages with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, the Big C, which was a Showtime series where she was the lead. And then Kinsey, who I mm. assume, I don't know, if, was she just the significant other? Yes, uh, yes. Yeah. Lee mm-hmm. Neeson's uh, character, the yeah, title She was character. very good in that, too. She's I've only seen excellent. that once. I don't really remember it, except it made me uncomfortable, which I think was well, the point. Well, as a straight white guy, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Take me be... back to Mothman. <laughs> His warm embrace. <laughs> Ooh, that just got really weird, Mike. Well done. I'm impressed with you. That's it's like not into that gay shit, but a Mothman. That's that's what I'm into here. I don't know what you classify that as, but it's still experimental, Dave. Don't, it is definitely experimental. Don't Mothman, I know. I'm proud of like you. My Mike. wife is when I said, "Hey, this festival, maybe 2022," and she's like, "Well, I hope you enjoy that as your only birthday present, Michael, because that's all you're getting that year." I'm pretty sure I just got a slight shake of the head. Just like the, uh, <laughs> yeah. That is a woman who lives with you. Like, she knows you so well. Here we fucking go again. Like, And I, yeah. I just kept scrolling on my phone. Like, yeah, they have this event. You can buy, you know, corn on the cob. and Corn on the up. cob. <laughs> is it like Mothman-themed corn? Is there? I, a man can dream. Yes, absolutely. But yeah, Mothman Prophecy was surprisingly good. Like, as you mentioned, like, I... Given the name, I definitely walked into this with kind of a chip on my shoulder, like, oh, this is going to be terrible, like, I'm not interested in this, blah, blah, blah. And is it, like, the best movie of 2002? No, certainly not. (laughs) But, like, it is, like, I think we forget sometimes, especially when people are podcasting, talking about movies all the time, and everything's the best or the worst. Like, there's room for that, you know, all glory to Chris Stuckman, I guess. That B plus, that like <laughs> that like nice, like yeah, this was a fun time. It's like an hour and forty five minutes. It does exactly what it set it sets out to do. It's not trying to be more than it is, and it really kind of achieves all of its goals. I think it does a really good job. Even the action sequence at the end, I think, shockingly works really well. This does, and this movie was did not have a gigantic budget, um, but that. That little bridge bridge collapse moment, like that's that's good stuff. Like, and again, it's shot very expertly in the sense that, like, there's not a lot of wide shots in that, so you're not gonna see how cheap it is. You're gonna have like these tight shots of like little things happening in this in these different spots, and then your brain kind of puts it all together. It's a very smartly made thriller. I enjoyed it. I mean, it's they're very tight shots because Richard Gere has notoriously beady eyes. Yeah, you got to get real close so he can express anything at all. So yeah, it's a good point, Mike. Just one last shot at poor, poor, defeated, <laughs> crying Richard Gere. Come on, Mike. He had something bad happen to him for once in his life, and he gets no pity from you. 
I was about to say uh, look, Google is uh, not showing me a better film from 2002, <clears throat> but I did get one. 25th Hour, Spike Lee. Oh uh, yeah, it's pretty it's, good. It's pretty good. Yeah, this is number uh, two, and that's just fine. Yeah, we did an episode on that on a podcast directed by. So if you wanna you wanna hear about 25th Hour, go look up that podcast that I might would be coming also back. Recommend uh, resubscribing to that. Yeah, there might be some surprises coming your way. So. Who knows? Mark Pellington month on its way. <laughs> if only, Mike. If only. That <laughs> would be a short month. The best. Be a short... <laughs> yes. uh, Nowhere to go right. but down here. That's this show as well. Crying. This is horrible. I care. <laughs>